Be people smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Be People Smart podcast. My name is Jodie Greer and again for season two we are talking about myth busting and again I have another wonderful guest speaker with us today um, who I'm sure you're really gonna enjoy listening to. So Sophie Kang, I'll get you to introduce yourself please. Hello and thank you Jodie for having me. I'm um, Sophie. I am business development manager from a company called Sign Solutions and we uh, specialise in British Sign Language interpreting and we provide all kinds of non-spoken communication support um, to the deaf community. Wonderful, thank you. Um, Before we sort of go into our myths and other things, just to elaborate as well Sophie, it's not just your job is it? It is something you're passionate about. Yes, definitely. To kind of give you a bit of background on me, I um, went years ago now when I was back in school and you did two weeks worth of work experience. I don't know if you can do that anymore, if they do that in schools anymore. But um, I went to Longville School for the Deaf, which is based in Birmingham. um, And it was with loads of um, children who were deaf or hard of hearing. And when I got there, I didn't know any kind of sign language. I didn't know how to communicate with um, any of these kids and it really frustrated me. So after my work experience was up, I went to do um, a a BSL level one at the Brass House in Birmingham. Um, Loved it so much that I found out you could do a degree in British Sign Language and Deaf Studies. Um, So I went um, to the University of Central Lancashire um, packed all my bags, left my mum and dad, um, and did a course in yeah BSL and Deaf Studies, and um, here I am today. Oh, first of all, that's brilliant. Secondly, I genuinely didn't know you could actually study it to that degree, and also um, that's proper commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I um I've always had friends who are deaf, and I think what sparked me wanting to be involved in the deaf community was um, when I went to long will because it's just so frustrating not being able to communicate and I felt like I was being left out and um, it was something that I just really had a passion for learning and then when I found out that I could do a degree in it I was uh, yes very pleased. Yeah excellent and just to also say um, because I'm going to nip into our mist but this is also more follow-up following um, hopefully you've already listened and if you haven't listeners then please do take a listen to the recent um, episode we did on it could be a sign or maybe not basically talking about why captioning isn't a direct replacement for sign language Um, and also we did talk about the fact that not all deaf people sign. Um, So today to elaborate on that the myths we are going to be busting are that including sign language is just too complicated. Sophie's going to prove me wrong. Um, Well, that's my hope. (laughs) And also including um, BSL, so British Sign Language, means we're including everyone. So we'll come on to that as well. Um, But first of all, Sophie, can we just touch on the piece about how complicated it actually is for people to have sign interpreters for their events? Um, I think you probably want to take the word complicated out of that and as it it isn't complicated to have an interpreter in your event. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So hopefully that's busted the myth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are a... um, 
an interpreting agency. So we place interpreters into all kinds of bookings, whether it be um, going a deaf person is going to a hospital appointment or whether or not they're going to do a job interview um, or if you have an event which is being held in person and obviously in the past two years everything has been online we've been able to include interpreters onto any platform video conferencing platform of a client's choice um, and it's really easy in just inviting them to the event you click on the link if it's online and then the interpreter pops up. Um, there's obviously some housekeeping that might need to be done whilst in the event, prior to the event. Um, these are things like making sure that you can pin the interpreter so that the deaf person is able to see the interpreter clearly. The same for the interpreter, making sure that they've, they've pinned the, the deaf person. When you're sharing your screen, um, just allowing a couple of minutes for the interpreter and the, the, the deaf participants to make sure that they can see each other. Um, kind of, I think all video etiquette, it's not just for the deaf community of raising your hand when you want to speak, try not to talk over one another, just because that gets incredibly difficult for an interpreter to actually hear what's being said. Um, but yeah, it's not, a, it's not complicated at all in terms of there's agencies like us that can basically do all the work for you. You just need to tell us when and where you want us and we'll get somebody in. Wonderful, thank you. Um, and just on that point about pinning or spotlighting the interpreter, because you can give us a little bit more on kind of rough timings, um, but I know certainly for longer events, you normally have more than one interpreter um, so that they can have a changeover. Um, first of all, kind of what sort of length of time does that tend to be? But also, it's quite easy, isn't it, to then pin the <laughs> the alternative, I nearly said the replacement, the alternative um, or interpreter? Yes, yeah, so typically any um, appointments or events um, that you're having an interpreter at, if it's over one hour is when you will need to um, have a second interpreter. Um, it kind of depends on the complexity and what kind of um, event or meeting somebody is interpreting, but um, kind of the standard practice is, is that you will have two interpreters for anything over 60 minutes. Um, the interpreters tend to, they co-work with one another, so they will take it in turns. So for uh, the first 15 minutes, somebody might sign and voice over and then swap again with the other interpreter, or they might choose to one person is voicing over and one person is signing. It's completely up to um, the interpreter relationship and how they've set things up before. Um, I have to kind of emphasise the importance of preparation for interpreters before um, interpreting for events because obviously if it's a kind of a niche topic they need to make sure that they have all the kind of the lingo and the you've got a presentation just so that they are fully prepared and they can do the best job in interpreting for the deaf participants. Thank you and for people who haven't really looked so much into uh, interpreting can you just give us a bit more information on I mean I, I call it fatigue but the reason that you have the changeover? Yeah, definitely. So to be, the process of becoming an interpreter is a long process in general. It takes um, up to seven years to become a qualified sign language interpreter, which I think a lot of people don't actually are not aware of. Um, and it's probably not something that you would know unless you went to university and, and, and studied. And there are you do your three years at uni and there are multiple different ways that you can then go on to gain um, your qualified uh, NRCPD status but yeah it's um, it is a, it is a really challenging and demanding job uh, and it does take a lot of time to become 
uh, an interpreter and I think that is the reason why it's kind of with, with any interpreting really it's the listening and being able to translate at the same time and that is incredibly difficult when it's something that when I was learning at, at uni that I found really difficult to process um, so that's that's why and it, it is exhausting so that's that is the reason that you need to make sure that the interpreter is properly supported and they have a co-worker with them if it's anything over 60 minutes. I think that's going to be really helpful for some and for some people who haven't listened to the previous episode yet and um, also just to elaborate on what Sophie was saying it's also because there's sometimes an assumption which was a myth we busted um, that spoken English for instance and BSL are basically the same thing um, but sign language or sign language has its own structure it has its own grammar so it's very different so it really is a case of someone listening to spoken English and then it isn't just a direct translation into the relevant signs it's a translation into another language it's a translation into BSL I've got to be honest it would exhaust me even attempting it I think and I'm trying to learn sign but it is tough I mean no wonder it takes so long I think the role of an interpreter is seen as very straightforward because you are there just to facilitate communication between a deaf person and a hearing person. But it's the complexities of what you're translating. Um, and, it, it, you know, it is a degree degree level job that um, an interpreter is doing. So it's it takes an enormous amount of qualifications to become an interpreter. So that is the reason why um, it can be quite exhausting to be an, an interpreter. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just I'm hoping obviously this is giving people some food for thought and getting to understand that the actual interpreting is complex itself. But for you to be able to achieve that, for you to make your events uh, more inclusive can actually be made really simple because there's people like, well, like Sophie, but there's um, organisations like Sign Solutions out there who basically make it easy for you. So that, I mean, that in itself is massive. Um, what's probably one of the biggest learnings you've had in your time at Sign Solutions specifically, Sophie? Um, I just think that all deaf people are different. There are There is not one way to communicate with deaf people. And I know um, from your previous podcast, you've discussed about how they're not all deaf people sign. And I think that's something that as a society we all need to consider just because somebody is deaf it, it doesn't mean that they've got one way of communicating um when um, my colleague and myself give our deaf awareness presentation we like to discuss the difference between big d and little d deaf um, and unless you're kind of involved within the deaf community you might not have an understanding of deafness being a cultural identity and the lowercase d deaf being something that you identify as um, a, a medical model of, of deafness, somebody who might have gone uh, deaf later on in life or doesn't identify themselves as a big d deaf person. Um, so I think yeah, that's the, probably the one thing that I've learned is just there's, there is so many different ways for people to communicate. And the most important thing to do is to just ask the person what their preferred method of communication is. And I think a lot of people can get scared that they're asking the wrong thing. But I can assure you people would rather just as you rather than having you assume is to ask them directly. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that's a massive thing. And to be honest, that's, that's a big thing with disability inclusion in general. You know, you can't assume what somebody needs. It is important that you ask. You could do that respectfully, of course, but it is important that you actually communicate with someone. So on communication, I just want to jump a bit into the second myth, which is about including BSL means we're including everyone, because I know, of course, that's your intention at Science Solutions, using BSL to include everyone. But the reason that's a myth for today, and I know obviously, Sophie, you and I have caught up, so that, that makes sense to you as well. But the reason I'm saying this today is because I see an awful lot of events that are marketed as global events for a global audience. And then to make sure they're inclusive, they've either got a BSL or an ASL, American Sign Language interpreter, ready to go, they'll be pinned. But of course, there are so many sign language um, sign languages around the world that what about everybody else? So um, I did a little bit of research before today just to kind of have a look at how many um, sign languages there are across the world. And as you say, there isn't just one that is universal, which is a common question, really. It's a, uh, it's a misconception of the deaf community that everybody can understand the same sign language. But it, I mean, it's not a stupid question, but it would be like saying, well, everybody can just speak English. There's not just one language in the whole world, is there? Um, sign language is um, takes many forms and there are 300 different types of sign languages ac across the world and they vary from nation to nation. Um, they even vary in terms of uh, regional accents, as we do. Um, you're from the south, I'm from the Midlands. Um, it's the same for deaf people in sign language. Um, there are many different ways, for example, that you can sign people. How I sign people in Birmingham is very different to how somebody might sign people in Manchester. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it, it's uh, it's not just one language for everybody. There is a different sign language, and as I say, there's over 300 that are that have. There is no consensus to, that says how many sp there are in the world, but I think roughly around 300 different sign languages. I think that's really going to open people's eyes because I genuinely think people have got good intention when they have this ready-made, you know, inclusive event. Um, but yeah, I don't think they realise that actually they're saying, well, you're included if you're from this vicinity. Um, but everybody else, you might need to sort yourself out. Um, but coming back to the dialect thing, because I'll be honest, I learned a lot from you previously on this. And I'm fascinated um, because there's far more than I realised. Like the, the variations are huge. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot of listeners who also had no idea that this occurs. So specifically on that point, when it comes to the deaf community, if you're doing BSL interpreting, of course, I'm guessing, well, I say of course, but I'm guessing the interpreter will use their own dialect. Is that understood then? Like, so if it's a BSL interpreter, will everyone understand what they're saying, depending on where they're from in the UK, for instance? Yeah, so most, um, as we touched on before, obviously, how long it takes to become an interpreter is over a seven year period and then you have experience afterwards. And I mean, you probably in every aspect of your life, you learn things from experience, don't you? But um, most professional sign language interpreters have the skills and the knowledge to understand and translate subtle differences in sign language. And again, if, if somebody signs something that you might not be, you will be unsure as to what they're what they mean. Um, which I've been before when people, the, for example, when you sign toilet, there's about 10 different signs for the sign toilet. It's just 
just asking a person what does that mean um and then they'll explain to you oh it's the it's our regional sign for the toilet um so yeah i think with working in different areas and uh, with different people and i think the video interpreting means that you can be an interpreter that's you know based in the midlands but then talking to somebody who is uh, deaf in cornwall kind of gives you a lot more experience and understanding and pick pick up different signs that are in different areas of the country yeah it, it genuinely fascinates me i really do need to learn more but i certainly need to have something you know some more uh, practice time to make sure that it sinks in um just on the point of obviously the variations but between the different sign languages as well um, I might have told you this story before, Sophie, but I'm going to tell it again because of the listeners. Um, I, a wonderful lady was telling me a story of going to um, America and she got to the States for a convention on sign language and she's a BSL user. And she walked into this large convention space and immediately said in BSL, good morning. And everyone started staring at her and there were some giggles and things and she couldn't understand why. So she said, good morning again. And someone came over and actually verbally said to her, oh, you're you're British, aren't you? And she said, yes, why is that? And I said, because good morning in BSL is 10 breasts in ASL. <laughs> and of course, they <laughs> laughed and stuff. But she just went on autopilot, walked in and, you know, said hi. Um, but it just goes to show not only the mad variation, like how different it is, yeah. but hopefully that sort of then resonates but also your message could be so different definitely yeah and the thing is that there are signs there's there is an international sign language um and there are signs that are recognized internationally and and i've been um i've been away when i went when i was at university we did a um a trip to italy to a deaf school there and we had a couple of deaf um, students on my course and they were able to communicate with other um, it, it, Italian deaf people, even though their language is, is BSL. Um, just because there are some signs that are recognised, um, which amazed me because obviously I couldn't go to, to France and pick up anything that the, the French were saying. But yeah, there, is, there are certain signs that are recognised internationally by deaf people. But there, it is important to understand that there are very different signs. And I think because of how big America is and how um, kind of inclusive ASL is, it's seen as kind of the big one. And as you said, oh, it's all right putting an ASL interpreter, but if they need British Sign Language, somebody might not understand because ASL is so different to BSL. Everything is on the one hand, whereas in BSL it's on two. So yeah, it's um, it's quite it's it's really fascinating, really, and how the language has changed as a spoken language over so many years. Yeah, I think that's the other thing as well, because you don't really think about, you know, like new words getting added. And I mean, is there slang in sign language? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a lot to do. Sign language is a lot to do with your facial and your body. And um, you, you, they call it sign space. Um, and. Again, that is incorporated within different regions, obviously, and that's how you can pick up where somebody is from based on their kind of their, their body language. Um, so, yeah, there, there is sign. There is um, obviously we're on a podcast, so I can't show you, but there are <laughs> different uh, there are different ways. For example, I've, I've, my friend um, a couple of years ago told me how to if you saw a, 
a man who was very attractive how you can sign that they're very good looking and it's not kind of like the, the PC way that you would do it so yeah, the, there are a lot of uh, a lot of different 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 sign languages and lot of, it's exactly the same as spoken spoken languages we have slang BSL users or deaf people across the world also do how do they capture that? Because even, I mean, we do have, you know, urban dictionaries and we have actual slang terms that end up in the Oxford Dictionary. How do they capture the, the you know, the new um, the new language, if you like, the new words or the new signs? I think, um, I mean, I can't speak on other sign languages, but on British sign language, obviously the deaf community is quite a small community and kind of know everybody knows somebody who knows somebody kind of thing and if you're for example like my colleague Adam he's from um, a long line of um, deaf people he's got a big deaf family so most people amongst the deaf community know who Adam is and I think that's how things are kind of created and spread around is that you might see a couple of weeks ago I saw the sign for Uber and I'd never seen how I never knew how to sign Uber and then obviously when I I'm, I'm showing people and then other people show people and then it, and I imagine that's how it works amongst the deaf community and also creating new signs is just as new words come out obviously for in the, in the age of social media um, there's got to be a sign for TikTok or Instagram or Twitter that kind of thing so yeah yeah because you'd have to say you know he created a tweet that's a whole other thing as well, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah this, yeah, I, I could go on for far too long. This is just, I love <laughs> all this sort of stuff. Um, so obviously you've talked about how long it takes for someone to even qualify as a sign interpreter. Um, but I know from our previous discussions that certainly sign solutions, you don't take people even when they're freshly qualified, do you? Um. We have a video interpreting service called Interpreters Live and um, it enables communication between deaf and hearing person, whether it be in person or um, deaf people accessing services remotely at home. Um, to work on our video service, you have to have three years post qualification experience simply because um, we support so many different organisations, um, whether it be from mental health trusts all the way to virgin media so obviously uh, we, you need to have a certain level of um, experience to work on the service just because of the, the variety of calls that, that we get through. The people can have confidence of course in the quality that they're getting. Yes definitely yeah. Excellent so just thinking about your own work in this space um, or just experiences outside even what's your biggest personal achievement what are you most proud of? Um, outside of work or inside of work or... either you can have one of each if you want <laughs> <laughs> um personally my biggest achievement was buying my first uh property probably about four years ago now it was like yesterday um <laughs> I think professionally the job that I do I I love talking to people and I love giving people support and advice because you don't know what you don't know at the end of the day. And I think the world of inclusion and accessibility and equality is so big that it can be quite overwhelming. Um, and I've a, a, a kind of a big achievement for me is that I'm able to support companies in their processes and their policies and help them to become more uh, have more understanding of the deaf community. Um, and just kind of in general, really, I, I, it's given me, I've met so many great people, including yourself, as part of my role and that I talk to on a daily basis, which kind of it, it, it gives it, it 
and sometimes when the world can be a bit overwhelming and there's lots of things going on it kind of does give you hope that we can become a more inclusive society that's wonderful and I have to say it's so nice to meet someone who's just as passionate about you know making real inclusion happen and absolutely reciprocate and there's a reason you was asked to take part it's always nice to chat to you um but that yeah I mean that is massive but also I think what is really important it can be absolutely daunting for organizations and professionals in the you know diversity equity and inclusion space who want to get it right um to just feel like they're on their own and I think organizations like be people smart of course certainly like science solutions we're there you know that there is support and there is advice and key experience out there that people can call on definitely I think that's the biggest thing really is that people you're expected to know kind of everything when you don't need to know everything there are specialists in in the field that are there to support you and I'm working kind of within this industry is um important to have allies that you can kind of go for for support and ask questions and that kind of thing because it just it kind of it, it, it that is what inclusion is isn't it really it's bringing people together and everybody having a an understanding of the di- different complexities of life and different walks that people have gone through and that kind of thing no definitely so my magic question I'm leading <laughs> in here that I like to um, ask all of our um, guests is if you had a magic wand, Harry Potter style, and could change one thing to make the world more inclusive or accessible, what would it be? Um, I would like to have a better, everybody to have a better understanding of ex- and exposure to disability. Um, if I had a magic, magic wand, um, I think I would change people's perceptions on what it means to be deaf or disabled. And that you, you, deaf people shouldn't have to adapt to a hearing world. Disabled people shouldn't have to adapt to an, you know, an able-bodied world or an, you know, what we view as normal. We should be making ourselves and learning and being more inclusive and creating a more inclusive society for everybody. Ex- as expecting people from different walks of life to adapt to what we see as the norm. So that would be my if I had a magic wand. Love that. And I mean, let's be honest, there's no such thing as normal. I'd be so offended if somebody told me I was normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really, I really do like that. Um, but I also think it comes back to the whole, you know, there's no diversity without disability and diverse thought is so important for every business. You know, if we didn't have different thought, if we didn't have jumping into a slightly different area but you know if we didn't have neurodiverse thinking people who overcome adversity as part of their day-to-day existence um coping mechanisms etc um yeah we just we wouldn't achieve so much innovation it it wouldn't be such a you know moving world and I think as well it's the perspective that other people bring that you might not have considered I might not have considered before because I can't speak on behalf of somebody who is deaf, who is blind, who is neurodiverse, but they bring something different to the table than what you and I may bring. And I think that's really important. No, absolutely. Completely resonate with that. Um, And I'm hoping our listeners will as well, and it will give people food for thought again. So what would you love for people to take away from this episode, particularly anything that can help them make improvements today? Um. I would ask people to think about what you 
after this con- listening to this uh, podcast what you are doing to kind of involve yourself in the deaf community or do you know much about the deaf community whether it be personally or in your professional life um how deaf aware are you if you were to meet somebody deaf what how would you communicate with that person how would you um you know no matter which kind of setting that you're in if if it's professionally if you have deaf employees or if you're looking to become um a more inclusive employer or best support um you want to take on more deaf people what is your recruitment process accessible are your employees deaf aware um is that person going to be able to have just as good of an experience as somebody who is hearing applying for a job um and also for organizations are your communications accessible for deaf people can deaf people contact you in their first language of sign language as we've t- touched on before BSL isn't English and it's very different to to English. So having a, a video service where people are able to ring in using their first language. Um, does your organisation have that? Are, are your deaf employees able to communicate that way? I just kind of just some questions really to consider and uh, and how you can improve accessibility in general for the deaf community. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly couldn't have said that better myself. So. Thank you very much. I'm hoping that that is going to be, you know, how people can move forward. Just before we go to some um, sort of closing points, I just wanted to touch on you did mention it earlier and you can tell me if I get the terminology wrong, actually. But I wanted to touch on how interpreting works the other way around with regards to kind of voice interpreting, um, because this is something a lot of people never come across because they often only see um, sign interpreters on events where it's quite one way because it's something that you can visibly see. Where, of course, if someone uses sign as the primary or maybe only language, um, they then rely on an interpreter to effectively be their voice in conversation. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I, I know people get really surprised. For instance, someone identifies as Mal, maybe that's their guest, and then there's a female voice that speaks on their behalf yeah um i think something that i just i was talking in a couple of weeks ago to somebody and they said to me oh um but an interpreter it was it was a deaf person the interpreter is actually there for a hearing person they're not there for a deaf person it's just so that they so that a hearing person can understand me and i was like i've never thought about that before because we think oh we need an interpreter for the deaf person when actually the interpreter is for us because we can't understand uh, a sign language um just kind of went on a bit of a tangent there um video interpreting is there are spoken language uh, agencies that you can use video uh, phone telephone interpreting for video interpreting is exactly the same um i've kind of just explained to you how it works it's called video relay service so it's whereby a sign language user is at home and they need to contact an organization um through a remote sign language interpreter you uh, click on a link which can be on um an an organization's website this opens up a remote sign language interpreter and the sign language interpreter makes the onward audio call to whoever the deaf person is wanting to speak to so for example virgin media is one of interpreters live clients so they click on the link on virgin media's website it goes through to an interpreter the interpreter makes the onward audio call the guys at the contact center answer the phone as if they were answering to a hearing person it's just being facilitated through the sign language interpreter so typically somebody who works in an interpreter's live service will say 
I'm calling on behalf of Joe Bloggs on the interpreter's life service. And then they will then speak in first person as the deaf person. So the deaf person will be signing to the interpreter on video and then the interpreter will just be voicing over to the contact centre colleague. Also works reverse ways. So if a somebody at a contact centre is wanting to contact a deaf customer or client back, they can call through as you would do to a hearing person and through to a remote sign language interpreter as an audio call. And then it goes through as a, vid, a video call to a deaf person. So it, it's really easy. It's not as complicated as it sounds. Um, I think one thing to consider is that if you're speaking to somebody through a sign language interpreter to don't not say, tell him I said this or you know can he do this just speak to them as you were normally speaking to somebody on the phone um and part of setting up as a client of uh, our video service is that you get an etiquette guide and have an understanding as how to communicate with with the deaf person because I appreciate some people might never have used uh, a sign language interpreter before and it can be quite off-putting when if the person's name is Joe Bloggs, but then it's Sophie Kang who's interpreting, you think, oh, wait, is it is it not a woman? When No, it's a man. It's just you're hearing it through a woman's voice. Thank you for that. Um, one, I just wanted people to have a bit more understanding of that in general, so that it's not a surprise um, when they do come across it. But also, I mean, call centres are a really good example, but I'm also thinking around things like recruitment processes and how invaluable that will be to make sure you can actually have inclusive recruitment. Definitely. And I'd encourage um, recruitment companies and um, within companies to consider how how are your recruitment processes accessible for sign language users? Because if British Sign Language is a first language of a deaf person, but your the job description that you have is in English and you're you're wanting a CV or an application form, how is that person able to fill out to the best of their ability if their first language is sign language? So consider how you can make your job descriptions more accessible. Do you want them translated into BSL? Would you give the person the option to have a video? Uh, CV to upload so that they can actually you know give their full selves to to a job um just because it's quite it's when I, I talk to so many different organizations about making themselves accessible it and unless you think about I mean the barriers for the deaf community are huge anyway but when you think about pl- applying for a job it there's even more barriers so where do you where do you begin as a deaf person you're applying for you don't have the barrier of you know making sure there's an interpreter you can't even it's not an accessible job description and you can't understand it in your first language so I'd encourage people to consider how you can make your recruitment process better from the beginning from the beginning of that candidate's journey. Thank you that is all such you know really brilliant advice but it's just it's just so realistic you know it's absolutely stuff that people can achieve now they understand that there is support out there so on that support piece how can people find you and where can they find more information on science solutions of course I can share links when we share the episode out but where do they go we've got um loads of information on our website which is sciencesolutions.uk.com um we also have our interpreters live website which um, is there for companies, for uh, the deaf community, for people who might be looking to get access to work support through us. Um, loads of information. As I say, I, I like to describe Sign Solutions as a one-stop shop for all deaf services. So we don't only just um, 
focus on sign language. We do other non-spoken communication support. So if you're looking for um, sign supported English or deaf blind interpreters, um, we're, as we're just kind of a one-stop one shop for everything. So yeah, if you check out our website or contact me, we're always posting stuff on social media. Um, we have an event, I'm, I'm not sure the date that this podcast will be released, already, but we do have an event that's coming up that, um, in, on Deaf Awareness Week that would love to invite everyone to sign up and just to get an, an insight into the deaf world and how to become more deaf aware. Is that going to be recorded for people to catch up? Yes, yes, it will be. Excellent. Um, so all I really wanted to say now, Sophie, because, I mean, I always learn something new every single time we speak. And when I say something, probably a handful of things. I've been making notes while we've been having the conversation again today. Um, but I just want to say a big thank you for your time, but also just for being a kind of font of knowledge that can help so many other people. Thank you. Well, I'm learning every day, so there's, there's probably loads more for me to learn. <laughs> but thank Good. you. I really appreciate it. And I've really it's my, my first podcast and that has been a very pleasant experience. So. Well, I hope to hear you on many more because honestly, you've got <laughs> so much valuable stuff to share. So, yeah, keep sharing. I want to keep learning from you. So a big thank you to Sophie. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening today. And I really hope that you take loads away that you can make changes from today. And certainly, you know, from this perspective for the deaf community, we will see a lot more inclusion going on within your organisations. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast and we really hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the other wonderful guest speakers we have lined up.